0: This guy, he's like, Yoko, she's not a good mom. He says that she's an unfit mother. He wins in the court. The court sides (gasps) with him. He gets custody. He changes his daughter's name and then takes her and raises her in a cult. And Yoko like loses her. This is something she's really famous for. And this was like in 1964, it's called cut piece. She puts on a suit and she'd have a pair of scissors in front of her. And she'd invite everybody in the audience, she'd invite people to come up on the stage and take the scissors and slowly cut her clothes off. And it was supposed to like confront issues of gender and class and identity. This accusation that has been thrown about for ever since the Beatles broke up is really not true and is denied by other members of the Beatles. And welcome to Broad's You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and extraordinary women in history. I'm Sam Eggers. I'm Sarah Gorski,
1: and I'm Chloe Skye.
0: And you guys, today, um, I'm going to talk to you about a woman named Yoko Ono. Oh, Yoko!
1: I've definitely heard of her.
0: Right? How do you guys feel about Yoko? What do you think of when you when you hear Yoko Ono? You know what's so funny
2: is like I don't know. Admittedly, I know basically nothing about her, except that she's totally villainized by a huge group of people who believes that she's the reason the Beatles broke up. But that's, like, all I know about her and that she took that amazing photo with her and John. Wish they're on the bed. That's, like, one of the most famous photos I've ever seen.
1: Mm -hmm. My my, my understanding of who she was when I was growing up was always that, like, that sort of uh, cultural understanding that she's this horrible person who broke up the Beatles and stole potential great music from history. Uh, That was sort of my dad's viewpoint. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just agree with your parents on everything. Yeah, Yeah. And, uh, you know, then as I've seen more and more about like, as she has like taken a stand for things publicly and put out new music and new, and not even some of it's not even music, but, like she put she did something uh she was like this is my new song and it's my feelings on trump after he was elected and it was just like this minute and a half long wail of like (laughs) of sorrow and i was like and i was like oh wait maybe she's actually just like liberal and feminist and that's why everyone hates her but that's like a more recent (laughs) realization and i and i don't know anything about her i
2: that. can't wait to see if that's true chloe
0: yeah I hope i'm right <laughs> so I, I have a couple of experiences with yoko so the first the reason i actually picked this was that uh, uh ped gave me the idea because i was like what brought am i gonna do this week and i actually had someone lined up i was gonna do but then ped mentioned yoko and i was like that's gonna be fun because um so ped's a huge beatles fan and through sort of my own research and talking with him i know that that this uh, this accusation that has been thrown about for ever since the beatles you know ever since this happened that she broke up the beatles is is really not true and is denied by other members of the beatles like they it's not like they're saying this happened like oh she's the reason we broke up like they were having problems beforehand um and so...
2: It was pop culture. I has to villainize someone, completely, right? Completely,
0: completely. She just... It was sort of a timing thing. She happened to come around when the Beatles were kind of on their way, on the outs anyway, and recording independently. Right. Even though they were still recording as the Beatles, they were having, like, sessions on their own. And it was sort of... It was already... It was already going to happen, right? People need to get over mm-hmm. it. Like, the Beatles broke up. Let's all move on, <laughs> right? Um, How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? Yes. Like, and then... Um, and then in my own research of her, it's been really interesting just to see how she realized how much of a life she had on her own and how much of her own uh, artistic skills she had before she even met John and to see sort of how that has just been almost like completely forgotten and erased because she married him and then and the Beatles broke up and then that's just now the only thing she's remembered for. And so anyway, I think she's pretty cool. So I'm kind of excited to talk to you guys about her today. So, oh, I let, can't wait. Let's jump into Yoko. Um, so, Yoko was born in Japan in Tokyo in 1933, and she was born to a really wealthy family. Um, but times changed real quick uh, because World War II happened, and her family completely like went bankrupt, and um, they and there was the bombing of Tokyo, and she they they completely faced starvation. And they had no money and they were selling off like household items to get by. And um, she talks about this time in her life. And she says that this is why she develops what she calls an aggressive attitude. And so, uh, (laughs) which I think is kind of interesting because like aggressive attitude... What, you know, what does that mean? But a lot of people That's like what all the
2: school teachers say about all of our bras when they were kids.
0: Exactly, right?
2: She has an aggressive attitude. Yes.
0: And in a lot of the articles I was reading about her, people would say things like, um, you know, well, she really knows what she wants, or she knows her own mind, or, and it just kind of seems like, oh, I wonder if, you know, people sort of are saying like, or she's really, she's maybe a little cold, or she's tough to deal with, but it just sounds like she's someone who stands up for herself and knows what she wants, how um, dare she? Exactly. How
1: dare Sets she stand her own up for herself? Exactly.
2: How dare she not be a victim to other people's desires? So it's a little yeah. bit like,
0: mm, okay. Um, but uh, so anyway, she goes through this tough time with her family. Um, but after the war, um, she's able, she goes back to school and she graduates uh, high school and she's accepted into a uh, university in Tokyo called uh, Gakushin University and she's in the philosophy program. And she's the first woman to enter the department. She's really smart and she's accomplished even at a young age. Um, But she's only there for like a year. And then the family decides they're going to leave Japan. They're going to move to the States. And so um, they move to, they end up moving to Manhattan and she enrolls in Sarah Lawrence. And while she's there, she meets like a lot of artists and, and sort of is getting involved in like a bohemian art scene. And she becomes part of what's called the Fluxus art scene. And I guess the fluxes Have you guys heard of this? I'd never heard of it before. Not at all.
2: Uh, no, I, I've heard the word, but I don't know. I don't know the
1: context. It yes. Sounds
0: sciency. Yeah, and it's not sciency at all. It's like apparently they emphasized the process of creating art over the end result. So they're like, what does it mean while you're creating something, and you kind of don't worry about what comes out the other end.
2: Sarah um, Lawrence is a. Uh, that's an intense place. <laughs> I remember visiting schools and visiting there and being like, "Whoa, this place is really intense." I feel like
0: Sarah, like you were the perfect candidate to go to Sarah Lawrence. Like I feel like you would have like I feel like you would have thrived there.
2: I now, yes, but if you knew me when I was in high school, no.
0: It would have been like it would have been very overwhelming for you. I was
2: I was way more of a square. I mean, I'm still a square, but like, I was like way more square back then. And I think it would have all been too much. Oh,
0: baby Sarah. (laughs) But now I
2: wish, of course I was less square then and could do things like that. But I remember visiting campus and being like, Holy shit. What's going on here?
0: (laughs) Well, um, in 1952, uh, Yoko, this just at the time she's like in the Manhattan art scene. She's, you know, she's creating art. She's really, it's really avant-garde and she's exploring stuff. And, um, she's cre- actively creating her own art and it's installation. Did you say
2: what her medium was? Is it
0: painting or? It's she does like installation and performance art. So ah, it's kind of like okay. all over the place, but a lot of it, they're like experiences. And I'll tell you guys about a couple of them. Cause some of them are actually kind of cool. Um, And so, in 1952, she elopes to Japan with this Japanese composer she meets named Toshi Ichiyanagi, but it does not go well. And so, like they are living apart almost immediately, they end up filing for divorce in 1962. And she's like, and during this whole thing, she's like really depressed, and she briefly is in a mental institution in Japan. Like it's it's really difficult and um
1: wow did you you know why she went to a mental institution
0: i think they're saying clinical depression so that's fair i think it's just she it might have just been like a breakdown or it might have been and also i'm not sure like what is there's like they clarify that it's a japanese mental institution so i don't right. know i'm like is so that it a, was
1: just a, a woman who had emotions in the 60s and went to yeah. the spot <laughs> and dared say them out loud
2: <laughs> yes and they were yeah, like that's hmm. one, exactly what happened as yes. we've seen in so many broads
0: Holy um shit and so, uh, anyway, in 1962, she ends up. Uh, she, she's she's divorced now from the guy she ran away with. She's out of the mental institution, still doing her art, and she ends up marrying another guy named Anthony Cox, and he's an American, and he's a jazz musician and like art promoter, and um, uh, they end up getting married, and they have a daughter named Kyoko Chan Cox, and they have her in 1963 and but this again this is like a really terrible marriage it does not go well i think he's like they're both artists and he's they're musicians and like even though they kind of pro- do performance art together it does not go well like uh it's just like things are bad and that he's um and so they they go back to new york though but they're trying to stay together for sort of their careers and for their daughter they go back to new york and um and it's he's kind of he's also kind of like her he's also kind of like her manager you know Mm. um but what's what's really weird is that i'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit but i have to tell it here because this it's such a weird thing so they have this daughter right but what happens is that the father anthony cox he decides that he does not think that you know when they that they're going to get when they finally finalize their divorce this is this is a few years later right they have a custody battle for the daughter but this guy he's like yoko she's not a good mom i don't like trust her and at this point she's with john and he says that she's an unfit mother oh and so he he wins in the court the court sides <gasps> with him which is what? so surprising to me well. he gets custody he changes his daughter's name from Kyoko. He changes it to Ruth Holman. And he takes... Hey, how old
2: is the daughter at that point?
0: The daughter... Wait, let's see. If this would have been like 1971, they had the kids. She probably would have been like 10.
2: Oh, my God. So
0: he changes her name and then takes her and raises her in a cult called... <gasps> this is the Church of the Living Word, which is also called the Walk. And Yoko... Like loses her, she, she they disappear. She can't find her daughter. She doesn't oh see she doesn't see her again. Even though they're looking for her, she doesn't see her again until nineteen ninety eight. Ah. Talk about talk about an unfit parent, Jesus. right? So that was just is like just this just a small like side crazy part of what happens her life that this and so i guess this cult i didn't know much about it i just did quick research because it's not really you know a pivotal to the rest of the story but apparently lots of the cult i think now is pretty much disbanded and that this church of living christ was accused of lots of sexual misconduct and that the the people that were in it were sexually abused and treated really horribly
2: that makes me so sad it's It's never surprising but it makes me really sad every
0: time oh my gosh it's just it's heartbreaking so so anyway, that's the, that, that is, that is the side story about, uh, uh, about Yoko's very tragic relationship with her, with her, her first child. But while this is all happening and before, and while she's still, um, in this marriage, she's still working on her, her art full time. And I do not know anything about her art, but it's kind of cool. So let me tell you like one of them, and this is a Uh, This is something she's really famous for. And this was like in 1964. It's called Cut Piece. And what it is, is she puts on a suit and she would go to, she'd be in a concert hall and she'd kneel on a stage and she'd have a pair of scissors in front of her. And she'd invite everybody in the audience. She'd invite people to come up on the stage and take the scissors and slowly cut her clothes off. And it was supposed to like confront issues of gender and class and identity and, um, this piece, she ended up performing this like in Carnegie Hall in 1965. She did it all over the world. And this became a really, uh, this is a really famous piece of her. So this is the type of work she does. Like it's performance and it's also really interactive with the audience. And, um, mm, wow. and for example, another thing she did was um, she published a book and it's called Grapefruit, but it's also the book is actually the piece of art. So the book is like a set of instructions and you as the reader you're either supposed to literally go through the steps or you're supposed to do it in your mind and this is supposed to be the art. So here's an example. Quote, hide, it's called hide and seek Piece, Hide until everyone goes home. Hide until everybody forgets about you. Hide until everybody dies.
2: <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> Hot damn.
0: That's
2: really intense.
1: Yeah.
0: It's super intense. Also, like, imagine this is the 60s, like, <laughs> in like the avant-garde New York like art scene, um, anyway, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of fabulous. And so these these things are received very well. And so she's uh, gaining notoriety as an artist. And since then, people have like reenacted a lot of her performance art and 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 done that sort of thing. Hold on a second. No, see now all I can think about is I'm screwing up. And then this is a part that Chloe, you're going to keep in the th- you're going to keep in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, wait, I lost You'll my spot. You'll have to
2: listen to the episode. Not yes, going to do sorry, it.
0: Not going to do it. Listen. So, like I said, so her art, she she's an artist in her own right at this point, and she's in the art community. Um, but while uh, while she's still married to this, you know, this guy Anthony Cox, who will later take her daughter, um, she goes to London, and uh, she's going there because uh, she's going to be involved. She's the only woman who's chosen to perform at this art symposium, and so she's going to this art symposium. And she also is going to have a uh, gallery show in London. And uh, that's when she first meets John Lennon. So this is uh, November 9th, 1966. And she is introduced to John Lennon. Apparently, she has no idea who the Beatles are. So, (laughs) (laughs) Really? Like, I don't know. I know part of me is like, could that be true? But she claims that, like, apparently she has no idea at this point. She Um,
1: She was married to a Japanese guy and then an American? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. It's, it's possible.
2: Also, she seems like one of those like really intense focus art art brains, which can be like all over the, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe like disconnected more from the mainstream. and. Yeah.
0: Maybe like popular music isn't really on her radar at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what's interesting is when I looked at this about their first meeting, there are a lot of things where they're like. Apparently, John Lennon was not impressed with her art at all, which I just find, like, I don't know if you could, like, if you're someone who's an artist in any form, like an actor or a musician or something, and you meet another artist and you think their work's shit, I don't think you're attracted to them, right? Like, I don't know. Have you guys ever dated someone who's another artist and they were terrible, but you were like, oh, I don't care? Like, I don't know. I just don't buy that.
1: I... Honestly, no. If if I don't like someone's art, it is kind of a huge turnoff.
0: Right?
2: I mean, there's a difference between thinking that their work is shit and it not being the art that's for you. Yeah. Like Like mm-hmm. you're not the person it's made for and it's not like... Right. That's true.
1: That's definitely something... That I've experienced where it's
0: like, like...
2: even some of my friends make stuff and I'm like, I think that is very cool. I probably would never buy it, but congratulations, right. you did a like, great job. You can but recognize
0: like, there's talent involved.
1: Yeah, this is clearly well made. I am mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't buy it. Also
2: but, though, like would John have said that? Like, I Like, I know, it that seems, seems like a tabloid li- article lifted, you know? <laughs> yeah, I
0: kind of was like ignoring that. But, because then, then I found this thing that he did say apparently, which was... um Uh, that so one of the exhibits of hers is it was called a ceiling painting yes painting and what it was with there was a ladder and there was a spyglass at the top and if you climb the ladder you look through a spyglass and the word yes was there and apparently he said later on he liked it because it was positive where so much art he encountered was anti-everything and he thought this was this positive artwork um and so I was like, okay, well, at least they said that. But so apparently <laughs> they have this, they have this interaction and they begin, and uh, they begin corresponding. And he ends up actually sponsoring a solo show of hers in another gallery in London later on the following year. So they're like, they're getting to know each other and they're friends or whatever. It's and, like um, one way
2: to get the girl, sponsor her art show. Exactly, okay.
0: exactly. And um, so, and at this time, uh, John's married. And she's married, right? So they're both married to other people. But um, they end up, she ends up going to visit John when John's, like, wife is out of town. And um, they, like, they even, and apparently that night, they even start recording some music together. And, um, but I guess the next morning, John Lennon's wife comes back. And th- this, is, apparently, she finds Yoko Ono wearing her bathrobe and drinking tea, and was like, oh, hi. So, I don't know <laughs> if that's true. But...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the drama lover in me really wants it to be true.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, it's uh, an intimate
1: process to, to create something together on a night when your wife is out of town. Ex- oh, my.
0: Exactly. Uh, so, anyway, so things kind of... So, things progress. She actually becomes pregnant but has a miscarriage. And... Um, after uh, uh, Yoko John's baby? Yeah. And anyway, after they both get divorced, John and Yoko marry on March 20th, 1969. And um, they spend a week in Amsterdam. And this is when the famous bed-in for peace happens. So you guys have all seen, you know, the pictures of them in bed together. And that's their bed-in and that's their protest um, against the Vietnam War and protesting for peace. And um, they're like, okay, this is sweet. Let's do this a bunch of places. And they're going to go to do it in America, but apparently they're denied entry, which I was, and I couldn't figure out why, but I'm like, of course. So anyway, they go. She's
2: American at this point. Isn't she a citizen?
0: Yeah. So I don't know why they're denied entry. Maybe that was not even true, but that's what I read. So (laughs) instead they go to Montreal and they do a bet in there. Who was was the
1: president at the time?
0: This would have been Lyndon Johnson, right? Oh,
2: Johnson was the worst. He's the worst (laughs) in all of our broads histories. Yeah. So, Haven't have we kind of learned that at this point?
0: <laughs> but uh, And so when they're in Montreal, uh, that is where they write, give peace a chance. Mm. And, uh, you know, all we are saying is give peace a chance. They write that together. And, uh, and at the time, she doesn't get any credit for it as a songwriter. But later on, I guess John Lennon, he says he uh, felt guilty because he gave uh, uh, Paul McCartney credit. And he said uh, he should have given it to Yoko, who actually wrote it with him. So later on, he Aww. said that. So she kind of got... Uh, a little bit shafted. But um, Mm. this is sort of the beginning of like Yoko being really seen in a really, really, really negative light. She says, so when they're doing the bed in Amsterdam, apparently during a press conference, she says, quote, if I was a Jewish girl in Hitler's day, I would approach him and become his girlfriend. After 10 days in bed, he would come to my way of thinking. This world needs communication and making love is a great way of communicating. And so... It's just like that's that's like a real tacky.
2: Why would you use that as an example? (laughs) Terrible
0: example. Like you'll go, okay,
1: who, like. It probably wouldn't work. (laughs)
2: Like (laughs) probably not. Like actually,
1: he'd probably just have more degrading (laughs) thoughts towards Jewish people. Exactly.
0: Um, (laughs) But also,
2: just like don't say like don't.
0: Yeah, like no. Yeah, it's. Turn your filter on, like you. That you don't need to say that. So.
2: But she also didn't know who the Beatles were. Exactly. <laughs>
0: um, so this, so now, like as a couple, they're sort of into like their advocacy is also performance art, and that's what they're creating. And so after these bed ins, they do this uh, press conference in Vienna where they show up in these big bags, and they say that that they're they're doing this because the bags that mean they can't be judged by their bodily appearance, and they say this is bagism, and. Um, and this they want the people to not like focus on the appearance but just hear the bagist's message you know and so they're like they're <laughs> into this you know oh um and so like and there it seems like they're very much in love like john changes his middle name uh it was winston he changes it to ono you know so Aww. so that's very cute they're like one of these couples is just so into it um and they begin. They've been creating albums together uh, that are not under the Beatles' names. So they're collaborating on music. Um, they, but it's, uh, they even release companion albums. Like he releases one, and she releases another. But her stuff is really avant-garde and like weird. You know, she's kind of her her music by herself is really out there. Um, that's,
1: that's the one thing that I definitely knew about her. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's like <laughs> very exploratory and not you know not in the popular mainstream um they also this is when they also released the song um you know happy christmas war is over you guys know that song war is Mm -hmm. over if you want it great song but it makes you feel really guilty listening to it because you're like i do want it to be over but apparently it didn't work so (laughs) anyway the beatles uh the beatles disbanded in 1970 uh yoko and john they live in london but the tabloids are just like vicious like overtly racist and it is Apparently it's hell like they, they can't take it anymore. so they moved to New York as a way to try to get away from all the negative exposure that they're going through.
2: Specifically racist uh, like against Yoko
0: like yeah, it's re- it's just like really bad. And everyone is really hooked on she broke up the Beatles and which you know? is not what happened. so it's just it, it's not a good uh, it's not a good place for them. Um, so they moved to Manhattan they like separate, get back together. they end up having their son Sean in 1975. And John Lennon takes time off to be a stay-at-home dad. So like he's just taking care of his son and she still does her art and she does music on her own. And there are, you know, things seem to be like, maybe they're good. There's some sort of thing about like that maybe like when they break up, like there was this thing about like, she finds a mistress for him or something, but, and people using this as a reason to be like, Oh, Yoko's awful. And it's kind of just seems like, well, it just seems like they were a couple and they did what they wanted to do. and. Like, the the things that people are upset about seem really dumb when you hear about them. But anyway, in 1980, they're coming back to their apartment building, the Dakota. And this is when uh, Mark David Chapman uh, uh, shoots John and kills him. And Yoko is right there, and she is with him, and he dies. And so at this point, she kind of goes into seclusion because this horrible, horrible thing has happened. Um, and even after this, she's criticized heavily because apparently she has she has a relationship kind of afterwards with this interior designer, and there's like rumors about how she forces him to wear John's clothes. Like it's it's very weird, but it also seems like I don't know what she would do where people wouldn't criticize her because then they're like, right. oh, you're you know you're profiting off of his death, and it's like, well, she's his widow, like she's
1: grieving. Yeah, like let what? Her gr- let her grieve She's had a shitload of trauma in her life. Looking at this story as a whole, like mm-hmm. disaster after disaster after disaster, let her grieve.
0: Yeah, and um, what's interesting too is they talk about how, like, she's, they say she's obsessed with security. And I want to be like, well, of course she was obsessed I with security. Why. Her husband was murdered in front of her apartment building. Like, and she's very into, so anyway. But afterwards she is really, really dedicated now to her work as an activist for Peace. And she's also still an artist. And so she does things like, um, she funds the Strawberry Fields Memorial in Central Park. So you know how mm. in Central Park there's the Imagine and the thing, she's, that's because she funded that. Um, she's, very much, um, at, she's very much an activist for World Hunger because of her experience mm. as a child. And so um, she has allowed free use of the song Imagine she, to raise a bunch of funds for Hunger Worldwide. Um, she's really involved in anti-gun work. And so uh, after Columbine, for example, she had like a lot of billboards placed around the country that apparently had John Lennon's uh, glasses covered in blood talking about like peace. And she's, like I said, she's continuing to create art. She put this big wish tree in MoMA in New York. And it was like this tree where people could come and write down their wishes and attach them to the tree. And she did this Mm -hmm. for years. And um, she ended up then funding this, big exhibition that is a like a memorial to peace or not a memorial it's more like a you know like it's it's a memorial for john but it's supposed to be advocating for peace around the world it's in iceland and it's this thing that illuminates um every year on his birthday and all of those wishes that she collected from people those are incorporated into it and so it's really cool. She's re- heavily involved in, in a lot of this stuff. She creates this um, this thing called the Grant for Peace, and gives it to artists like um, and people who are doing creating art and doing work that is for the betterment, sort of, of mankind. So like Alice Walker has been a recipient. Pussy Riot has been a recipient. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's had, um, but she's had. She continued to have all this drama and this sort of sadness in her life. So she had her longtime driver apparently was charged in a plot to extort $2 million from her using threats to kill her and her son. What? Yes. Like all of these
1: deal with drivers.
0: Oh my gosh. You're right. Like these. So lots of, uh, just lots of tragedy. Um, but she's continued to perform and she is still make recording albums and she is still making art. And, um, still sort of very outspoken for, for peace and which is just a a very admirable thing. And she's also still involved in philanthropy as well. Just recently she gave uh, $250,000 to the Montefiore hospital in the Bronx to support uh, frontline health workers for coronavirus. Cause apparently mm. she wanted to give it to a hospital that wasn't like Cedar Sinai that had all of these, you know, big board members and stuff like that.
2: Wow. She's-
0: yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. And, you know so she spent all of these years criticized by the press and the public and um you know and her art is not really isn't really accepted in the mainstream um, in terms of the stuff that is I feels like that is just hers and not really related to John Lennon even as late as like 1999 people were saying she's like a no talent charlatan and in in different publications and news articles and so it's a lot of it's and she's still used as a reference for like a woman who's bringing down great men. Like Courtney Love is sort of you know Kurt Cobain's widow. She's been compared to Yoko Ono because people say she was you know interrupting Nirvana's business and all that stuff. And
2: that's so crazy. People need to calm the fuck down.
0: People really do. And apparently, I didn't know this one, but apparently, Jessica Simpson was dating Tony Romo, who's a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And I guess he had some, like, bad games. And so people started calling Jessica Simpson Yoko Romo. <gasps> <What>? Which <laughs> I didn't know about.
2: That um, is just so awful. That's Like, a terrible... now I feel awful that I even ever heard those rumors. And, like, I don't know what I believed. But it's so awful.
1: I was just Jesus. seemed like she seems like a weird person who's really down <laughs> for peace. And, like, she's, she's pushing for it. And nobody seems to like her, but then nobody likes anybody who pushes for peace.
0: Exactly. I think that's, I think that's exactly it. I think she was this, like, she's just an incredibly, I think she's a little kooky. She's like super avant-garde and doing stuff that's weird. And And
2: avant-garde is hard for people to
1: like understand and respect, mm-hmm. I feel like, more yes. than a lot of art forms. Yeah, People it's don't like... like their boundaries to be pushed.
0: Yeah. And I think she's tried to do stuff as a little more mainstream. Like she took her music and tried to have a, like an off-Broadway show of it, and I don't think it was very successful. Um, but I think that she's still like you know she's still obviously like out there in the public eye. She's still doing stuff, but I, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how liked she is or how supported she is. But I think it when I when I looked at her story as a whole, I just thought this is abroad because this is something that. When when a woman speaks out for, her, stands up for herself and speaks out, and she's just been completely identified by the man that she was married to for, you know, whatever it was, like 11 years or something. And that has just become her the identifier of her life. Right. And I just have found, I don't know, I, th- I was like, I think she's abroad. What do you guys think?
1: Absolutely. For sure. I, th- I mean, I feel like the fact that she keeps living and creating after the number of and the diversity of tragedies that she's experienced is is so admirable like i i i can't imagine if the entire world was like we hate your art we hate you uh Mm -hmm. you're responsible for taking things away from us that we loved and then get up in the morning and go i'm gonna I'm going to make another song. I'm going to do another piece of art. I'm going to make some other song available for free. I'm going to raise money to help people. Like, I just, I don't know if I would have the courage to do that. At least not where, where I am now in my life. So that, uh, yeah, that is a strong woman.
0: And this reminds me, I forgot to say, so in the year 2007, she n- was finally received uh, shared writing credit for the song Imagine. So John Lennon's Imagine, mm-hmm.
2: uh, she had
0: never received any writing credit for it, and she finally was officially given credit in 2007. How did
2: 2007. that happen posthumously? Did Paul help make that happen?
0: I think so. I think that he was somehow involved, and it might have been something to do with the record company as well. Um, but... Uh, it se- I think she was very appreciative of that, because it seems like she was, so- I think that she was involved in co-writing, I was reading an article where she was being interviewed about her co-writing, and a lot of it she really, really downplays, and she sort of makes a comment about how, she's like, well, back then, a, wi- a wife wouldn't have wouldn't have been involved in that, or she says makes a comment just sort of about how it wasn't her place, or it wouldn't been something that anybody would talk about, which I think... I don't know I thought was very interesting
2: um it's interesting it seems like she like I mean she's obviously an artist doing avant-garde like kind of showy stuff but it doesn't seem like that she actually has that much of an ego to her in the way that she interacts like with John and John's IP like you know that makes me think that there's like a more there's an earnestness there that like she Mm -hmm. didn't get credit for you know
0: yeah, it was interesting because I was this uh, this one article that I read about this this guy who was just, uh, he was a, he, he did not, he was not a fan of hers. And I'm just going to read you a couple of things. These aren't direct quotes. These are me paraphrasing. But um, after the interview, oh, wait, with we got her, a dude
2: quote section? Okay. Sort dude of. Quotes. Let's go. Drum, <laughs> drum, drum. Dude paraphrase.
0: But um, after he met with her, he was like, she uses, she uses John's death to her own advantage. She's just a widow. Um, he said she was having an affair before she died with this uh, before before he died, excuse me, um, and that that somehow meant that, you know, like, that she was, that her tears, uh, he made a comment about how he didn't really believe her tears about John's death, which is just, like, how, <laughs> so horrible.
1: sure absurd. Um,
0: <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, he criticized that when he went to her house for an interview, he had to take off his shoes, and he makes a comment about how like, oh, well, I'm glad I remembered to wear these nice socks. Like how it's, and I want to be like, you're going to someone's home. Take your fucking shoes off. Yeah,
2: also it's like fucking I, Japanese culture. Get the fuck over it, dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and um, he makes a comment, and I don't know what this has to do with anything. He said, she's very small and very hard, but very busty. I'm like, what? <laughs> what?
2: Fucking gross. Why,
1: why like, would you even mention that? That's
0: all I could think about. I'm like, why is that even in this? Why why is that even a thing? Um, Oh my God. This guy
1: sounds like a piece of shit. Yeah. And so it's
0: Absolute
2: piece of shit. And also, he sounds like nobody. Like, who's this fucking dude? And Yoko Ono's name is on everybody's
0: mouth. And when he got mad, too, he said in the interview that when she showed up, she she sort of laid down ground rules for the interview. And she said, if you're going to interview me, then this was going to be 50% about John and 50% about me. And that's why he felt like, who are you? You're just his widow. And after reading about her life, I'm like, she's not, though. And she's probably, she's been talking about her husband for the past, I don't know, 50 years. So I'm sure
2: that's all that anybody <laughs> ever wants to talk about with her. And she yeah. still
1: gave you 50% of the interview to talk about him.
2: Exactly. That's
0: crazy. So I just thought, uh, anyway, um, so I wanted to just I
2: respect to- that. I respect those ground rules, actually. That makes me respect her more to yeah. like, set the rules me and too. be like, this is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, we and can do this. And I feel like this, that's, a,
1: but- that's a generous rule to set.
2: Yeah, And also, I feel like dudes do that all the time, and they never get called out for being assholes. Totally. So, yeah. whatever.
0: Um, so, I took, I, I was perusing her Instagram before this, just because I was like, what? I just want to see what she's posting on her Instagram, because um, it's kind of fun. I want what she's posting on her Instagram. She posts, like, <laughs> sometimes she'll post, like, little poems, or, like, just little pictures, and it's always, like, I love you, and peace, and stuff. Like, it's always really nice. So, one of the things she posted, and I think these are lyrics from one of her songs, I just wanted to read it real fast. She says, this is uh, this is in May 2017. She said, yes, I'm a witch. I'm a bitch. I don't care what you say. My voice is real. My voice is truth. I don't fit in your ways. And it's a picture of her in, like, this all-white room with, like, a white fedora and black sunglasses. And she's, like, 89 now. <laughs> it's just.
2: She's so cute. Her Instagram is so cute. Isn't she cute? I'm looking at it right now.
0: I know. It's kind of adorable. And um, the last thing I want to say about Yoko Ono is that, I heard an interview with her maybe a year or two ago, or maybe even longer than that, where she was talking about something she does at night if she can't sleep, or if or uh, something she does that she finds that brings her peace. And I tried it, and it's amazing. And so I wanted to share it with you guys. If you find yourself at night yes, you can't please. sleep, um,
1: only every night, <laughs> like every night, yeah, <laughs> right? for the last twenty years.
0: Um, she said she goes. She said any name that comes to you, you say that you bless them. And so you say. I'm so like now, right now. I would be like, I bless you, Sarah Gorski. I bless you, Chloe Sky. And you just go, and you don't stop. You just keep going. Any name. It doesn't matter who the name is. So if it comes, if it's someone comes into your name head, and you're like, I don't want to bless this person. You say, I bless you. I'm not a religious person at all. I'm an atheist, but I still find this practice very. It's just very calming, and it. Sometimes I do it, and I like laugh out loud because. I think the only person I haven't been able to bless is Donald Trump, but I've been able to have some other names yeah. come in.
2: Oh, you're not quoting her; you're talking about yourself right now. Sam. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about
0: myself. So she's. So this is her practice that she talked about yeah. in the interview, and I thought I'm going to try this. And um, I think the first time I tried it, I did it out loud, like Pet and I did it out loud in bed, and it it's it sounds so cheesy and so stupid, but just try it because it's okay. surprisingly no, calming. That, that
1: sounds great
0: it's it's very relaxing and it's sort of um it makes you it feel like balance, you've done try. something good even though you didn't have to do yeah. anything
1: <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the, the the gratitude thing like yeah if That's you gratitude practice journal. gratitude every day like yeah. the studies show you're gonna be happier in life
2: yeah re- like rewiring negativity yeah. yeah
0: I think her whole thing was this was sort of about, about like this is a way to like bring more bring more peace in yourself and sort of like get used to pushing like putting it out there like even with people you don't like that you're just like i just okay i bless you it's fine
1: i accept you and be blessed and out of my life yeah
0: so anyway and it's also nice it's just a nice kind of nice thing to do we're also we're all kind of separated from each other right now so it's kind of nice to think about people you care about that you can't maybe see
2: i love that yeah that's my half
0: so anyway yoko ono
2: Yoko Ono, what a broad. What a broad. Thanks
1: for doing all that work because I definitely wanted to know more about Yoko Ono. I don't know if I ever would have looked her up on my own.
2: Yeah. Now I can follow her Instagram. I can't wait to stalk her. (laughs) Everyone stalk Yoko Ono, but nicely on Instagram. (laughs) Yes, Insta stalking. Light stalking.
1: (laughs) Just regular follow. If if it comes up, it comes up.
0: There we go. Well, thanks for listening. I want to tell you guys that... We love it when you listen. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you do is go into iTunes and leave us a glowing review or tell a friend about the show. And you can always reach out to us on Instagram at Broads You Should Know, or you can email us at broads you should know at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to tell you all about another Broad You Should Know.